Luke chapter 11 uh, this evening. Luke chapter 11. I uh, had a vendor come today who uh, he's been involved with us and helped us in uh, the area of his business for uh, getting in and getting us some materials and such. And he was uh, just admiring uh, some of the work that's been done, the parking lots, the sign up and just different little things that have been done. And uh, it's good to think about because uh, next month will be a year since we bought it, believe it or not. July 22nd, and so thank God. Very exciting to, to hear it from someone else. You know what I mean? Like, I, I see it, but to hear it from someone who noticed it, it's kind of a, a great blessing. October 2011, a basketball player named Jerry West, a Hall of Famer basketball player, released his book called West by West, My Charmed, Tormented Life. He used this book to not just catalog all his achievements, which were many. He was a multi-championship player in the NBA, but who earned the nickname, he was actually called Mr. Clutch. And I'm not thrilled with that because he played for the L.A. Lakers, but anyway. He, uh, he went on, inspired... Uh, performances and did a lot of things under the official NBA logo to such a high level. One of his biographers said in the early days, though, when he went on the court, he looked like he went on with confidence, and the more responsibility he took on, he did have confidence. But he also was racked by incredible game day tension. He would pace nervously each game day. Tension building by the moment. He was absolutely beside himself with anxiety his, on his coming performance. His condition actually threatened that a number of times he was ready to leave the NBA. And one time he felt like he had a nervous breakdown. He said, I've always been a nervous person. Here's a man that on the outside has achieved, but on the inside, there's issues, battles, things going on. It's very interesting because a great mystery in life that you face is why do people do what they do? I was having a conversation with someone very recently, and they had told me that they were going to do something a very specific way. And I thought, there's better ways to do this. Until I began to talk to them and find out that the other ways they've had bad experiences with, so they they were leaning towards doing it the way they thought was best. It was a reason behind the way they were thinking. Some people can be very public in one way and be very private and tormented in another. Sometimes you even have to ask yourself, why did I do what I do? You ever ask yourself that? Why am I doing what I'm doing? In the text we're going to read, it gives us a tremendous insight, not only into the practical, but into the spiritual. It's going to help us all. You must consider that there is a possibility that you and I face the demonic every day. That it's not just emotions. It's not just circumstances. It's not just people. It's demonic. And that there's a demonic uh, presence that wants to find expression in your life. Wants to show itself through your personality. And even someone who has at one time experienced deliverance salvation, a touch of God, can sometimes allow these things to return. 
take over our lives and have an issue of something that we thought was settled. There's a question that will come up in theological debates. Whether a Christian can have a demon. And the answer is yes. The text we're going to read is an unequivocal yes. That people do things, have attitudes that are wrong because they are tormented on the inside. They may put out a public persona. Like they're really good, but the issues of hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness, guilt and condemnation, lust and discouragement, depression, can all find access even in a believer's life. And they can be very dangerous and sometimes even return after people have been delivered. Let's read our text. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 24. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds the former house is all swept and in order. And the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter the person and live there, so the person is worse off than before. Begin to realize that there are people, because of fallen nature, they're doing things that they may have had an experience with Christ clean and swept, but then they're driven by bitterness, greed, lust, whatever it is. To enter into areas that they shouldn't be entering into. Paul writes in Romans 7, 19 and 20. But I want to do good, but I don't. I don't do what I want. uh, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, it is not really the uh, me, uh, not really. I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin in me. That does it. Galatians 5.17 tells us that uh, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which just opposes that which the Spirit wants. The Spirit uh, desires to give us uh, uh, the... the desires, uh, the Spirit gives us the desire to oppose what is sinful in our nature. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. The New King James Version says, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So let's talk firstly about the spiritual realm. Jesus pulls back the veil. And he says, there's a demon spirit. There are personalities that are very real and desire to take over someone's life. Jesus dealt with this constantly. Probably the most famous one, Mark chapter 5, is the man with 2,000, at least 2,000 demons. Jesus climbs out of the boat, and a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs and met him. In verse 8, it says, Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. There's a discourse between Jesus and the spirit. This evil, unclean spirit, whatever your translation says, it's used 11 times in the New Testament. It is clear that it is actually something that is out there. Mark chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, and suddenly a man in the synagogue, a man in church, who was possessed with an evil spirit, cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. In church, 
He comes, he upsets the religious order. He begins to speak uh, and begins to deal with people who have probably had hidden issues uh, and sins. Uh, and this man who had had in his hidden issues and sins speaks out. He's got a demon. He's in church. Mark seven twenty five, and right away the woman who heard about and came and fell at his feet, uh, her little girl was possessed by an evil Spirit. Mark chapter 3, verse 11. And those who ever were possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, and the spirits would throw themselves to the ground in front of him, shrieking, You are the Son of God. This is something Jesus encountered. Evil spirits, people who began to uh, manifest and show themselves in front of him. This goes on into the early church, Acts chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. And the crowds intently listened to Philip because they were eager eager to hear the message and see the miraculous signs he did. And many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. It's interesting that none of this ever happened in the Old Testament. My first encounter with the demonic was very, very weird. It was a spirit that was in this girl that opened herself up. I won't go into all the details because they're just beyond belief. But she's laying on the floor, and the only thing touching the floor is the back of her head. I'm new pastor. I've made the mistake to try to ask it its name. So it's lying to me. Because the issue is, how did it gain access? But we'll get to that in just a minute. Then all of a sudden, it jumps from one girl to another. Just like that. This girl's saved. But because of previous access she had not totally dealt with, this spirit had an entry point. Saved. Holy Ghost filled. Spoke in tongues. The other girl, the first girl who was levitating on the floor, she had some major problems. She had, you know, she was fornicating and lying about it. And it was a very interesting scenario. She, you know, oh no, we're not sleeping together, but had an eight, eight and a half pound baby seven and a half months later. Oh, it was premature. She eventually called me one time and admitted what was really going on. We function in a spiritual realm. There are four types of people in here. There are the unsaved. And it tells us that you are dictated, the Bible tells us that you are are dictated by the devil and the spirits that work in the earth. You can't tell me that there aren't spiritual forces. The mystery of iniquity is sin just progresses while there's demonic strategies. Just think about, you know, when I was, you know, I'm, I, I like to believe I'm not that old. But when I was in high school, marijuana was illegal. No one would ever admit they had been a homosexual. I knew a couple of people that were living together, but it was very taboo. These were all things that are now totally accepted in our day. It's a spirit. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, because you were once dead in your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is a spirit that works in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passions and desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And we're... uh, Uh, By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. There are those of us who are born again. 
that our sins are forgiven. We walk in the newness of life animated by the Holy Spirit. Romans 6, 4, and we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also live new lives. Saved, forgiven, delivered. Doesn't mean you don't struggle. Doesn't mean that you don't have an issue from time to time, but you're walking in the newness of life. Your behavior, your attitude is inspired by the Holy Spirit. You live under His authority. There are people who are saved, but because of issues, they have not uh, totally surrendered or been totally changed, they still struggle or they're still bound because they won't leave some things. Galatians 5, 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which just opposes all that the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives the desire that are opposed what is sinful of the desires. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. You're giving into the flesh. You're allowing attitudes, mindsets that were your old life back in. That's it. You're giving access to the demonic. There are those who have been saved, delivered, and then what our text says return. They go back. They give the opportunity for the devil. This is called backsliding. The unclean spirit. So the question you begin to have to ask yourself first and foremost, is there anything in your life that God would not approve of? Anything in your life that God would not approve of. This can be an action. This can be an attitude. This can be a mindset. This can be disobedience. See, the works of the flesh, if they're present in your life, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, Quarrelsome, jealous, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Are they at work in your life? Because if they are, and I'm not talking about the occasional struggle. Well, I saw a woman, she's half naked, I had a lustful thought. And you know, that's different than... Searching out pornography on the internet. Very different. Somebody ticks you off because they, you know, hit your car or something, didn't leave a note. That's a lot different than you just being bitter all the time. Backslidden, this is what identifies you as your d- dominant feature. Exhibiting carnality all the time that leads to sin. Sins you were once free from, but now are given back over to. We're talking about a pattern of behavior that is rooted in fallen and carnal nature that remains in place in your life that was once delivered, but now has Returned. There's also the possibility of inherited curses. I was actually talking to someone before the service who was telling me that they had taken on the sins of their parents. And not only them, all their siblings had done exactly what their parents had done 
But what this person made the statement to me was that after they got saved, how that was broken. Broken in their lives, and now in their children's lives, that's been broken. That's glorious. That's a miracle. Exodus 34, verse 7 I lavish unfailing love on a thousand to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and their grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even the children of the third and fourth generation. Listen, your children will resemble you more than you want. It's not just a family resemblance as far as like, oh, they look like me. You know, the babies here, it's, it's kind of funny. Some days you look at them, they look a little bit like their dad. And you look at them again and they look a little bit like their mom. Right? They just, they're, they're at their constant changing point. I'm talking about, you know, uh, about the little ones around here. You know, you just see that sometimes. But it's amazing how much of the personality they will pick up. In the film we watched on Sunday night, it was amazing how when the father found his son who had been adopted, the football players, And the wife of the father said, looking at him, the mannerisms, chews on, or the wife actually of the adopted son, you know, oh, the mannerisms, he chews on a straw just like his father, you know, he took on these things, he didn't even grow up around him, although he did meet him later and knew him for some time before he figured out it was his father. Your children will resemble you. That's why what I'm talking about is very important. Our text does tell us there's a hope for deliverance. When the evil spirit went out of the man. It went into the dry place. This is actually a picture here of Jordan. This is actually a picture where Jesus would have been ministering in that kind of look that would have been there when Jesus mentioned a dry desert. This is where the Spirit would have gone. But a Spirit can be cast out. See, the good news is you can be delivered. You don't have to live bound by that kind of Spirit. It can go out. It doesn't go out by tons of counseling. It's a point of conversion. It's God doing something powerful. Not just joining a church or attending a church. Even for decades, I know people have attended churches, but they're still bound. Decades. It's God doing a miracle in your life. This is the message of the gospel. You can be changed. But our text is telling us The danger is it wants to return. The demonic craves embodiment. It craves an opportunity to express itself. That's what the demonic wants to do. Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 5, the demoniac, who, when he gets delivered, when Jesus comes, they plead... And I'm, I'm going to mix the stories here. There's Luke involved. Luke says, don't send, the demons say, don't send us to the abyss. Don't send us to the bottomless pit. They beg to go into the pigs, the swine. Because apparently being in a pig is better than being in the desert. Being homeless. He's describing, Jesus here is describing activity of demonic personality. They don't want to be homeless. They are looking for an opportunity to occupy someone's personality. They're looking for an opportunity to come in 
to someone's life. Verse 24, when the evil spirit leaves a person and goes into a desert, it searches for rest. And when it finds none, apparently it didn't find another person to enter, it says, I will return to the person I came for. I came from them. I'll go back to them. That's why the dangers of any person is not the sins you didn't try, although they're real. Often it's the sins that you were involved in. Those are the dangers. This is why if you're immoral and try to hide it by getting married, marriage doesn't solve it. The element here is that this is the demonic realm. It doesn't just say, oh, I got kicked out. I'll find somewhere else to live. It says, I'm going to go back. And what it's looking for is an access point. Can I find an access point? Jesus is, Luke chapter 11 is one of the most revelatory chapters in all the Bible of the spiritual realm. Jesus' discourse on, in chapter 11, he is talking about spirits. He starts out with prayer. He starts out with passionate prayer. And then he begins to launch into all these realms. In fact, just before our text, it says, for when the strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe until someone stronger attacks and overpowers him and strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. The issue here is that the thought is the enemy wants to come in and take what is not his, take what is yours. And what it needs is an access point. Cars unlocked can be stolen much easier. Houses unlocked. We had a report last year in the neighborhood I live in of someone actually walking into a house. The garage was open so they could walk right in, took the keys off the counter, went out and stole the car. Had an access point. And, you know, every once in a while, be busy or something, and we'll wake up and realize we didn't shut the garage door. And we're like, man, can't do that. Fortunately, we've had nothing stolen, but if they have an access point. That's what Jesus is warning about. See, when the demon wants to come, he wants to change your personality. He's going through dry places or desert places. He's homeless. He finds this is unacceptable. The metaphors would be, it's miserable. It's, it's not, you know, there's no water. There's, you can't survive long there. So he's looking for some place, and the Bible says he's seeking rest. He needs a place he can kick his shoes off, get some nourishment, rest, and occupy to express himself. The possibility of return is Jesus is saying it's real. He wants to come back. And now at verse 25, so he returns and he finds it for, the former house is all swept and in order. He comes in, he finds it clean, but empty. Empty because an access point was given there and there's no one there to defend it. Let me put this in terms you and I can understand. You give in to your lust, bitterness, greed. And then you're searching the internet, talking to people who aren't in the room, trying to figure out a way to steal, get, Someone who's saved and begins to lose their desires for the 
things that please God. They may go to prayer, but they spend the entire time on their phone or talking to someone else. They may say they read their Bible, but in no specific or disciplined way. They haven't out-witnessed to anybody in, since the second Bush administration. And then you wonder why there's something there, or there's nothing there that can give, stop the demonic for trying to get its foothold. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. So let's just talk now about the road to deliverance. The first part of this is about not providing an opportunity for the devil or the demonic to come. Who or what is guarding your house? What is going to help you There was an old sign that you would see around. This house is guarded by Smith & Wesson three nights a week. How lucky do you feel? The picture there is you wouldn't go there. We, they would have, you know, danger, you know, guard dog or warning there's a dog. In Lithuania, they actually had a mock sign of this, and it basically translated, my dog is nice, but he has weak nerves. What's guarding your house? It's likely if you're witnessing, reading your Bible, praying, fasting, tithing, Coming to church, there's no time to backslide. But mark it down when prayer, tithing, church attendance, witnessing, and Bible reading start going away. You're giving access to spirits. Our text warns us he invites seven buddies over to party, he's going to take over. And it's worse. Deliverance starts with breaking curses. But that's where it starts. First you have to say, I don't have to be this way. And I don't want to be this way. That's where it starts. You have to begin to say, that is what I am going to see, a deliverance. But that's just where it starts. The huge mistake many people make is that they're going to get prayed for once, it's going to break, and they're never going to have to face another desire for that ever again. That just ain't reality. The trap is, and that's the trap, and many believers can't understand why God hasn't delivered them when they won't deal with it themselves. John chapter 8 tells us of the woman committed, who got caught committing adultery in the very act. And, you know, a lot of people have used that story and said, well, the Pharisees, first of all, how did they catch her in the act? What were they doing hiding in the wardrobe or whatever, you know, behind the curtains or whatever? That's kind of weird. And where's the guy? But when Jesus writes in the sand and the accusers go away one by one, he tells the woman, "You, where are your accusers? I don't accuse you either, but go and sin no more. Go and do not sin anymore. This is your responsibility. I don't know if anyone ever told you Christianity was going to be easy, but I can tell you they weren't correct. There's going to be some struggles. You're going to have to give some battles in. 
One man said, when you are too sure of yourself, you are less on guard against the enemy. Be alert, therefore, for the devil, who, if he can claim even one hair on your head, will lose no time making a braid of it. You have to stay filled, first of all, with the Holy Spirit. If he's there, it's going to fight the occupation. Ephesians 3.19 May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made, to comp- uh, to, uh, you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. The Amplified Bible says of that, and that you may come to know, particularly through the personal experience, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled throughout your being with the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life and be completely filled and flooded with God himself. Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine for that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, how do you do that? Psalms, spiritual songs, singing, giving praise. Filled, occupied. God wants to fill your life. That's why when you lose those kinds of things, prayer, Bible reading, you're losing more than just a good discipline. It's spiritual. You have to always be on guard. Don't ever underestimate the devil. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, Peter calls him. Luke chapter 4, verse 13, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. He looked at Jesus' life and said, there's going to be another opportunity. Now, some believe that was probably the garden. But whether it was or it wasn't, I'm not as good as Jesus. He didn't have the sinful nature in him. We do. We have to be on guard. Philippians 4 tells us it's going to be part of the mind. Your deliverance is part of your own thinking. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand, His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. This word guard literally is a military garrison. The closest we could understand it today would be the secret service around the president. George Bush, too, came to Lithuania when we were there. And we went to see him. We, uh, we had some contacts in the embassy. And uh, he was making a speech. They were only letting a certain amount in this VIP section. We got in there. We were about three, four rows. I never did meet him. Colin Powell was there. A bunch of uh, his administration, Laura, was there and such. And, and so they're there and they're making his speech. Well, we had to go through two metal detectors. They shut down the cell phone towers. When the president landed, they welded, spot welded every manhole cover from the airport to where he was going and back. They had snipers on the roof. We were standing there watching, and all over the roofs around us were marksmen waiting. They're guarding the president. They're in a foreign country, in a foreign situation. They, they loved him. They loved him. There's a plaque there where he made this speech to this day, it's in Lithuanian and English. And they loved when he said, anyone who makes an enemy of Lithuania has made an enemy of the United States. And they went crazy. But the garrison around him, that's what God does. When you pray, 
He goes on to talk about the mind in verse 8. Think on these things. God wants to strengthen you. From 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. The Amplified says, Be on guard. Stand firm in your faith. In God, respecting His precepts and keeping your sound doctrine. Act like mature men and be courageous and strong. Watch your flanks. Secure the perimeter. That's what God wants to do. I close with this. It's 2011. There was a Super Bowl ad. It's two border guards. They're in the middle of the desert. There's just a little, there's two little uh, roadblock barriers there. And they're dressed in more or less like 1800s garb. It looks like somewhere in, in the Stan region. That's just kind of how it looks. They've got the big tall hats and it's, you know, maybe Karakistan and Uzbekistan or some uh, Turkmenistan or who cares about it, Stan or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. And so they're marching back and forth. They're, and they're, they'll, when they turn, they sneer at each other, her. And they march back and forth and they turn and sneer at each other. And they're doing this and there's nobody else around. It's a desert dirt road and they're just watching that border. Then one of them, as they're marching, stops and pulls out a Coca-Cola. And he drinks it. And the guy on the other side of the border looks longingly. Ooh. And he pulls out a second Coke. Hands it across the border. And he takes a sip. Then he stops. He looks at it. He puts it back in his pocket, sneers at him, and starts marching on. I thought, that's such a great picture of how the devil tries to work. Want one? Want just a little sip? It's just a little bitterness. It's just a little porn. It's just a little greed. You want it? It's all yours. Come, take a sip. And now he has access to torment your life. You have to, like this border guard, draw your sword and get back on guard. Say, no, devil, I ain't drinking your sweet drink. I ain't drinking, no way. It ain't worth it. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here and you're not saved. There is a real demonic power that wants to ruin your life. Wants to create problems. And you are a willing accomplishment, accomplice to your own destruction. That's the alarm that you need to hear. Because you're going, that's your destruction. The missiles have been fired. The shots are on, your way, on the way. The destruction, and you're a willing accomplice to your own destruction by giving yourself over to sin. Jesus wants to help you tonight. If that's you, slip up your hand. Pray for me. Pray for me. I need Jesus. Maybe you're backslidden. You once knew God. You turned away. You allowed your house to be clean, but empty. And the Spirit came back. And now you're involved in things. You might be like Jerry West. You might look really good on the court, but tormented on the inside. Because you let the devil give you a Coke. Little sweet drink. Oh, that's good. I need some more. I need more of that. And you're away from God right now because of that. You want to come back to Jesus. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. Are you praying? Are you witnessing? 
Are you reading your Bible? Paying your tithe? Coming to church? Are you guarding against the strategy of hell? Let's all stand. We're going to open up these altars and allow people to talk to God. Deliverance starts with a a prayer. Because it's got to start somewhere. It starts with you confessing your need, dealing with your heart. Let's sing this song. I will wait on you. every head bowed just for a moment you are saved there there are people who are saved without a doubt but they're still tormented they've let something there's an access point somewhere and there's a torment as a result of this it could be an attitude bitterness hatred unforgiveness could be an action that you're doing something. You're, you're opened yourself up to something you shouldn't have. And it's beginning to grasp a hold of your mind, your life, your actions. You might be like Jerry West. You might look really good on the outside. Mr. Clutch. But there's, some, there's issues in the heart. If that's you, I want you to just slip every head's blow and every head's closed. I just want you to slip up your hand. Thank God. Thank God. Others, very quickly. Thank God. Thank God. Those who lifted their hands, others, you can pray this with me. I want to pray a prayer with you. I want you to say, Father in heaven, I thank you that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And I'm taking authority over this tormenting spirit and I'm commanding it to leave. You will go out and you will not return. I'm closing the door. I will make the proper decisions. I will do what it takes 
to make sure this spirit does not have access to my mind and to my heart. You will not return, but Jesus is setting me free. And tonight, I'm making that commitment. I will participate in my own deliverance. I am going to see the victory in my heart and in my mind. Father, I'm committing to occupy by the Holy Spirit and by those things you want me to do, I'm committing my life to do them in Jesus' name. Let's begin to worship God. Let God, Father, right now, Two practical things. If it's an attitude, you got to stop talking about it, thinking about it. You can take control of your mind. You got to forgive, let it go. If it's given access to the demonic, then you you have to do this. If it's practical, like you're going to go home and get drunk, then pour the whiskey down the drain, right? Do what, you know, get rid. I remember when I got saved, I had a little pot pipe in, kind of hidden in my jacket in a little pocket. Well, I had a hole in the pocket, and I kept it under there. And I remember going out, saved about a week. I remember just tossing it into the forest. Like, nope, not keeping that. That's not good for me. I'm getting rid of it. Block Blockers on the computer. Whatever it will take. But you have to make the practical decision as well. And let God help you from there. Thank God. Isn't God good? God is really good. So, praise God. We just want to remind you, we've got the outreach to Syracuse this Saturday. We do have the outreach at the Liberty Pole and Youth Group on Friday. And so keep those in mind. Sunday services Looking forward to what God is going to do. I'm going to ask our brother Tom Gustinelli, would you close this in prayer?